This is the A. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is the A, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! <laughs> As always, we are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jans Leifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring us and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. Our guest today is Dr. Ayodele Zinga. Am I pronouncing your last name correct? No. <laughs> it's Inzinga. Inzinga. Yep. Um, you are an actress, director, playwright, poet, educator, <laughs> community advocate, the director of the Lower Bottom Players, mm-hmm. Oakland's oldest North American African theater company, and the founder of Lower Bottoms Players Summer's Theater Day Camp. I'm sure you do many, many more things. That's a pretty full plate. Yeah. What, how are you, Dr. Inzinga? It's good to see you again. I am well, and it's always good to see you, Rich. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, so you guys have seen each other. I, she directed uh, Tasha. Oh, right. And, of course, I was <clears throat> her stage manager, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we did that for about a month. <laughs> he is like the world's best stage manager. Oh, how nice, how nice of you to say. It was, uh, so how are you, about how, what did you think of, because we never really had a, um, I don't know, a post-mortem, but mm. did you think we got as much out of Tasha as possible? I'm hoping Kat is, is happy with the production. For a first full formal production, mm-hmm. she's over the moon. Mm-hmm. Good. Did we get as much out of it as possible? Of course not. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always more to be wrung from a production, and like any production there were good elements and challenging elements of in course. the production yeah but the talent was phenomenal and yeah. when you start with phenomenal talent mm-hmm. and you've got a good product then a lot of things are possible yeah yeah no i think janae gave everything as much as she possibly could janae is amazing yeah and a one one person show, you know, is alone is very very tough. And the subject matter, we'll talk all about that and about you and you know, like and what you're doing, and also just uh, what I would call just uh, activist theater, the theater that it may not be what the audience wants, but it's what the audience needs. It's 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 you know, it's hard hitting theater. But Norman, uh, it's been a while since I've seen you. How are you doing? You're on your last uh, day. Of last going show, home. last day. Yeah, home mm-hmm. is finishing up at Zebelo tonight, and then uh, next week, a week from today, we'll be getting on airplanes and flying to Paris. Is it Paris? Okay, Paris. We're flying. I know it's in, in France, but yeah, we're flying Paris. into Paris. We barely get to settle down, and then we head out of town. Where our first performances will be in uh, a little town called Angers. Mm. And so we'll go there, we'll do those performances, and we'll come back to Paris. Yeah. It's, I can't I even begin to think about it. I don't it's, know how word for word does it. I mean, they must have a hell of a, um, just having the money to do it. Uh, there was, um, there were some connections they had. There used to be an American library system. I think it's now called the English language library system in mm-hmm in France. Yeah. And so connected to that and connected to a lot of universities that had English language programs. Um, they've gotten a lot of support from that. There's a wonderful community of people. Um, in the past, we've always stayed with host families. Mm -hmm. They've been incredible. Um, because of COVID and protocols, we are staying in hotels. Yeah. I've got a room. We all get rooms by ourselves. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Normally, we would get an apartment in Paris, and everybody would just, yeah. you, some people shared a room. I'm, 
I'm always funded. I'm always fascinated about how some companies fund each other, and you know, because some companies are struggling, some don't, and it looks like word for word. You know, they're like COVID. You know, what's the big deal? You know, we. we well, you know, they, like they everybody just, else, they had to wait and decide when to come back. And mm-hmm. in fact, I, there was an actor who came to see the show last night, and we were talking. The show that they were going to do that got shut down when everything went into lockdown. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept trying to figure out when to bring it back, and after a couple of years, they finally said, "Oh well, let's just let it go." Yeah, there have been a couple of uh, current events. Uh, there have been a lot of current events since we've um i think it's been two weeks since we had uh fred pitts on mm-hmm. that was our last uh thing um first republic bank that's another bank that has failed so there's all sorts of things going is it on official with that. are they officially <laughs> gone or going uh, i guess so um jerry springer uh passed yeah. away <laughs> um you know that crass tv of the 90s and i don't know if uh that's if he I don't know if, if TV is better or worse. I hardly watch TV anymore. Do you watch mm-hmm. a lot of TV? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to feel about that one. I was like, um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I want to put him in that category of all the stuff I hate, but he was a really smart man. He was a very intelligent and articulate man. I, I had a lot of issues with the Jerry Springer show. I think it just victimized. The show, yeah. Um, the show was horrible. Yeah. It was like, you know, let's watch these crazy people do these crazy things and he'll just be the ring leader. And I don't know. I, I, and I saw I thought there was a lot of implicit racism as well. Yeah, the there worst of, of, of folks. But on the other end of that spectrum, mm-hmm. we've got, you know, um, Harry Belafonte. Yes. Now that was this week hor- horrible death. of just mm-hmm. celebrating all that the man did, all that he was connected to. Yeah. It's been gorgeous. And it's a shame that it took his death to, for us to relearn or re-understand everything mm-hmm. that he did, you know, just the activism. And I think he was one of the first ones to uh, call, um, to go against George W. Bush. I'm sorry, oh, yeah, George W. Bush. Call him war. a traitor, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there's He's that. the Robeson of mm-hmm. his time. Yeah. Yes, he was. Paul, well, he said yeah. Robeson inspired him. He said Robeson said, if you can get them to sing your song, then you can use that. Yeah. Yeah. Another person who passed away, which gets into racism and all that stuff. I'm sure you know who Carolyn Bryant is. This is the him. This is the woman who was who accused Emmett Till. Oh, did she die? Yeah. Not that we're (laughs) we live in this era where I celebrate deaths and I feel bad. I'm like, oh, I shouldn't feel that way. But Mm -hmm. but she went to her grave. Never, um, never. Always holding on to the belief that she didn't do anything wrong. Right. She had, you know, all of her 88 years to to recant, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what happened. And, you know, the fact that until died, you know, 1955. There's also been a couple of other uh, just um, elderly people. Just So basically, uh, Ralph Yarl, um, I think a 15-year-old boy, was killed all right. by yes. an elderly person because... Someone walked on his lawn, and he thought that it was a stranger. No, that's the the kid who was going to pick up his siblings. Exactly. That's did he, he died? Killed. I thought no, he, he went home. He went home. He didn't die. Oh, oh I'm sorry. He but he even was shot. though he had a headshot. Shot shot. Head, yeah. Yes. No, he. he that's went why home. I thought he, that he died. Um, and also, Kaylin Gillis, who is not black, she's a white woman, uh, but she was also killed by an elderly man. Uh, almost, almost the same Pulling situation. Pulling into his driveway. Yeah. Driving into the driveway. 
we've got to do something about I mean we we talk about it almost all the time Mm -hmm. just shootings and killings and individuals who just pick up a gun and you know and what we need is a well-regulated militia (laughs) (laughs) and if you say that to a second amendment advocate they shut up immediately well no, no no you don't understand you're telling me I don't understand the words are pretty clear yeah Dr. Nzinga, um, here's a question for you, because I'm from the East Coast and, you know, I was raised, you know, there's a picture of Martin Luther King right here. And Mm -hmm. that's how my family was raised. And I know that on the West Coast, there was more of the Black Panther militant thing. And Mm -hmm. Norman, you and I were talking about when would a black person even own a gun? You know, when we talk about First Amendment, Second Amendment rights and the Mm -hmm. right to bear arms and folks with AR-15s, we're not really usually talking about black folks, you know. Black (laughs) folks usually don't buy that stuff to feel good. And usually if we do it, we're going to get killed. I'll never walk out of my house, even with a fake gun. Right. What do you think about this whole uh, just, I don't know, the Second Amendment rights and, uh, you know, and protesting and... Can there can this ever ever really be resolved? Mm. Okay, I'd like to preface your question with bringing up another death. Mm-hmm. Um, Triple O G Glenn Bailey died on April twentieth. He did fifty two years in the California carceral system. Mm-hmm. He was a an admitted double murderer mm-hmm. and was one of the most honorable men that I ever met. Mm. Oh, you actually met him? I'm actually writing a book about Bailey. So um, we got rather close with him Mm -hmm. over the last few years. Um, The lens of the book is designer spirituality. I just said he was a double murderer, and he admitted that. Mm -hmm. And the contrast is he's one of the best men that I've ever met Mm -hmm. in my life. So something about righteous violence or... The fact that people do hurt one another. Mm -hmm. I think that some things are historically a clear line. Uh, The black arts movement, I work in the continuum of the black arts movement. A lot of people say it was born the night Malcolm was assassinated. Mm -hmm. And so we find with Malcolm a continuum from King. Um where thoughts evolve. I think it takes a great deal of courage, discipline, and fortitude to stand still and let somebody spray you with a hose Mm -hmm. and sick a dog on you, hit you in the head with a billy club. And your response is, I will maintain my dignity because I want to be free. I think that's a, a tremendous thing to contemplate. I find that I feel more like Malcolm. When you are the cheeks to turn, then you need to find something else to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a direct line between the conversation about gun ownership and the right to protect yourself in America and the Black Panther Party. I find that after the Black Panther Party, having guns and having color don't seem to go together. We all know that most of the guns are owned by people who are melanin challenged. Mm-hmm. And if we actually look at who owns guns and why they say they own guns, they're fueled by fear. I think in the black community, because it is not a monolith, that a great deal of gun ownership is also informed by fear. Mm -hmm. And it's fear. Perhaps a justified fear. 
in fear basically intonates our younger generation, especially mm-hmm. males. Yeah. Well, you said you would not be found carrying even a, a fake gun out of the house. I talk to youth all the time who say they would rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I don't know whether or not being armed is has a direct correlation mm-hmm. to protection. I mean, the chance is if you are armed and you are confronted, then you will defend yourself using that weapon. Mm-hmm. And if you do not have that weapon, yes, there's a chance that that might be your demise, but it also might inspire getting away in some other sort of way mm-hmm. or, or engaging in a different sort of way. And at the end of the day, this um, everybody got a gun. And everybody can get it. And it's a sad comment on on the worth of human life mm-hmm. on a planet. Especially the richest, you know, country on earth. You think America, you know, people think as America's the Shangri-La. But yet, if it's so wonderful, why are we so afraid? Why are we still holding on to these guns? And also, I think you made a good point as far as males. I mean, it's really about men. I would even say conservative white men who live on their property, they feel the obligated or have a right to own a gun and no one's going to tell me what to do. And all of a sudden somebody usually of color interferes. I don't know, mm-hmm. <clears throat> walk on their lawn or I don't know, date their daughter or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then boom, they just feel the need and they hope that their government will protect them when they've, they've killed someone, whether it be Kyle Rittenhouse or the individuals who lynched Emma Till, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing. Standing your ground. It's very interesting. Mm-hmm. You think about that, stand your ground. Yet, we raise young black boys, and out of one side of our mouths, we tell them, a man shakes another man's hand and looks him firmly in the eye. Mm-hmm. You know, you you stand your ground as a man. Right. You, you have a certain sort of dignity. You understand that no man is better than you inherently. Mm-hmm. Yet, the way law enforcement is trained, and the whole mindset of, Stand your ground, mm-hmm. especially in southern places, is your body does not belong here. Right, right. right. And with law enforcement, I need you to lay on the ground mm-hmm. and put your hands behind your back. So you need me to submit. Right. Yeah. I need I need to make myself vulnerable in a way that makes you able to take my life with ease. Right. I need to lay down before you and supplicate myself and look away mm-hmm. and trust that even you will do what you're supposed to do. Right. And you stop and you listen to things like the text that they just discovered in Antioch in the police department. Oh, right. Yes. And you want to tell me that it's a worm in an apple orchard, mm-hmm. that it is not the nature of the apple orchard. Mm-hmm. Policing has a distinct history. Yep. It has a history of protecting property. Mm-hmm. Further than that, it has a history of protecting property that belongs to white people. Yep. And you have to understand at one point in time, the people sitting here in this conversation mm-hmm. were property that belonged right. to white That's people. Right. That's yep. right. So the ability to actually kill a piece of property, to do whatever you want to with it mm-hmm. without consequence, and then having taken advantage of that and done exactly that, doing things like sending Emmett Till back home to his mama, looking right. like that. Yeah. Right doing things like that, Mm -hmm. her living 88 years and feeling like 
there's nothing wrong right. yeah. with causing the death of another human being, ruining the life of his mother and sending that message of fear and um, absolute subjugation to all those boys his age. Mm-hmm. And it echoed so loudly, we are having this discussion with his name in it today. That's exactly yeah. right. You can't you can't remake that. When people talk about no, you just need to sit down and you need to retrain them. Did you hear me say where they came from? What, how? What would I retrain them to do? Right. Retrain who? Um, police. The police. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. Right. We need to reform. It's like mm, no, you need to start over. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. there's nothing to reform there. The I mean, it's like saying fentanyl kills you if you take it. Well, let's reform that. Right. How do you reform that? Right. Fentanyl's fentanyl. It's going to kill you if you ingest it. Right. So the police were formed with a certain mission, which they embody and deploy deftly mm-hmm. to the point where I don't understand black police officers. Oh. I actually. <laughs> That's went, my family. <laughs> I actually wonder at us remaking the cage we live in. Yeah. Not only do I not understand black police officers, I don't understand black people who work for, say, social services. Mm-hmm. I cannot have my job be to ask you, did you get 14 cents last month more than you got the month yeah. before? Because if you did, then I need to take 14 cents worth of food stamps back out of your children's mouths. Yeah. I, can't, I cannot police a system that gives a family enough to start to death on right. and then wants to dox them for even thinking yeah. about working themselves up out of poverty. Right. I don't know any of those programs that actually lend themselves to you working your way out of poverty. They are in all means survival programs mm-hmm. that stop you from starving to death quickly. Right. That's also very violent. It also sets up the, the climate mm-hmm. for crime and for black market. And when you decide that human beings, this is another way that we display that human beings have no value. If I can send you $300 a month and tell you to feed you and your child off of it, I don't care if you starve to death. That's violent. Yeah. So my grandmama used to say that a fly in a quart of buttermilk will eventually be a drowned fly and the buttermilk will still be buttermilk. So when we have someone, I think that a lot of black people enter things like policing or the army. One, because the roads of opportunity we have are very carefully curated. Mm -hmm. There are only so many things that you can do with certain levels of education and actually manage to feed a family or to prosper. We have people who literally go into the army hoping they survive so that they can then get an education mm-hmm. right. and maybe buy a house. Right. All you got to do is stay alive right. and not go crazy right. and not come home with an addiction or a, a, a physical disease mm-hmm. that is going to diminish your time on the planet. So mm. I think that... Or PTSD. Yeah. Yeah. Spoken from an individual who did, was in the Army. Well, I, I was, yeah. and I'm very involved with their counseling services now, which got under Trump managed to get a bunch of money and they don't know what to do so i'm saying what else can i how else can i use your services and they're like well uh, we think we can help you i've been pushing it the whole time and the reason they did their first question is always 
Are you suicidal? The next question is, do you have PTSD? And then the next question is, are you involved with the criminal justice system? I'm like, okay, none of those, but I still want help. <laughs> and it's interesting to me how all of those have points of intersection, mm-hmm. you know? And so going back to the way I took us in this door yep. about black policemen, I think that a lot of people, what I think it, it is an avenue of raising one's financial and social status within this country that's accepted and respected. Mm. Two, I think that its history is interesting. In working with people like Lynn Bailey, who Mm -hmm. have experience with the carceral system back for 52 years, Mm -hmm. I talked to a lot of officers that he encountered in in, uh, correctional officers Mm -hmm. who held him. Mm -hmm. A lot of these brothers took those jobs for that very reason. This was a job that had been restricted to white men, mostly white Southern men, Mm -hmm. even here in California. And when the jobs became available, they had benefits. And there also was the hope that they could stop some of the terror in their neighborhoods or stop some of what was really, really obvious by them being there. That they could get a fly and a quart of buttermilk could actually change it. (laughs) And so they went in. And I think that that spirit even that spirit, that thought of how officers operate inside those spaces has been eroded over time. I think that if you talk to police officers today and their their way of upholding the law. So you had officers back in the 60s who would literally stop white officers from piling on to a black suspect because I am the law here too. We're all the law. Mm -hmm. That was really, really important in the prison system where things could happen to you Mm -hmm. because you're out of sight. So these black officers inserted themselves in those conversations. Mm -hmm. The people who were telling me this, uh, police officers who were officers back at that time, Mm -hmm. people who were... um, correctional officers during mm-hmm. that period of time, and prisoners all say that today's officers are different mm. and that the last thing you want to stop you is a black officer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, un- unfortunately. Um, I, I was thinking as you were talking, and I want to get into an origin story because I want to hear you know, your background and all of that stuff. But coming from Washington, D.C., you know, when I was born, I was born in 69, shortly after that, Marion Marion Barry was elected. Prior to him was Walter Washington, who was strictly appointed by uh, the Congress. So he was Mm -hmm. sort of a, even my parents would say, you know, that Walter Washington was just a lackey for Uh the white folks who the government said, hey, D.C. needs a mayor. But Marion Barry was our first elected mayor, elected by black people. Mm -hmm. The cops were black. The teachers were black. Everyone was black. And, you know, let's say a cop would stop my dad on the street. Hey, man, you know, we went to school together or whatever. So you had a very different culture, which is different from, let's say, the South or even here, Mm -hmm. where you may have some cops join the force, sometimes because of assimilation, not only to get all those benefits and maybe you think you could change the system, but also some are like, well, I want to see if I can fit in. I'm not like those black folks, you know, it's like under... You're making a commentary about other folks when you make a commentary about yourself a Mm -hmm. lot of times. So it's different. I think culturally, I didn't feel the exact same way about 
law enforcement or whatever. I mean, even when I was a kid, there was um, the officer-friendly program where cops would come to our schools <laughs> right. and try to, you know, say, hey, listen, we're not the bad folks here or whatever. Right. Um, so <clears throat> I came out and a lot of us came out of, you know, being adults or young adults, not necessarily afraid of, of, um, of cops. But then crack cocaine came in, and that was a whole different story. Right. So I, we can go on and on and on. Um, we can touch into an origin story. Where were you born and raised, and how did theater and the arts sort of uh, grip you? So my life's always been dramatic. I have two birth certificates. I was either born in Chicago, Illinois, or State Line, Mississippi. <laughs> wow. Um, Route 66. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very active. <laughs> um, my mother... Um, left home, pregnant with me, had me in Chicago, and left me in Chicago. And my grandmother brought me back to State Line, Mississippi, to my great-grandparents' farm. Mm. I, um, through reconstructed memory, I was born in 1952. Okay. I came to California before I was in kindergarten, so, you know, three, four. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So that means I came to California on a Jim Crow car. And mm. we came right. into 16th Street Station. This is not something oh. I, I grew up knowing. I 16th didn't, Street Station. We would have had to because my grandmother right. settled in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And that was, a, a, you know, that if you're going to settle in Berkeley, you come into right. 16th Street Station. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, that is something that I really consciously became aware of maybe in the last 10 years. Because mm-hmm. you don't grow up saying, you know, even the way I came to this place mm-hmm. was by a, a conveyance that was steeped in, in Jim Crow and, right. and restrictive laws. But that is actually the truth. Mm. Um, siblings? I have several siblings. I believe that I'm the oldest of 10 children. Mm-hmm. I met one of them as an adult. Mm-hmm. I also recently discovered that the person I thought was my father is not my father. And so I inherited a whole nother group right. of siblings. Mm-hmm. And there's several of them. I literally just started speaking to a half-sister probably them in in the month of April, mm-hmm. and yeah. so and I'm discovering that I had two sisters by that father that lived in Berkeley at a period in time when I probably lived in Berkeley, uh-huh. but I didn't know it. Right. Um. I found out my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, lived in Sacramento um, oh. while I was living in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I never knew that. Right. Wow. DNA, the test, is yeah. they are wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Our, our past are complicated, and all families keep secrets. Oh, I can yes. only testify to the secrets that black families keep, mm-hmm. but all yeah. families do. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so it's a, if you've not had your DNA done, it, mm-hmm. it is an adventure that you are waiting to have. <laughs> so. Yeah. How did, um, were you... I can, I, you know, you're in the theater because, you know, you are a, you perform and you are a director and you're an actor. But um, you may have gotten, were you, did you do poetry first? Were you a singer first? I mean, how did, um, what, what arts sort of grabbed you when you were younger? Actually, I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. I'm a, a griot. griot. That's uh-huh. what I, yeah. act, that's my actual purpose. But I found a bunch of ways to tell stories. Mm-hmm. You can tell story 
by being the actress and the words come out of your mouth, mm -hmm. you can tell a story because you write a play that then someone else does. Mm -hmm. right. You can also tell a story by writing a, a, a nonfiction essay mm -hmm. where you capture this bit of a place. So I am, and I'm also interested in conversation, discourse. I get, that's related to being a storyteller. So my medium then is words. Mm -hmm. People tell you words are impotent. You've, we've all heard the saying, sticks and stones might break your bones, but words will never hurt you. Right. That's something you tell to people who are verbally challenged. Mm -hmm. Words make the world, most literally. Mm -hmm. We have biblical references to right. it, light cut dark. Okay, <laughs> and then we had the world, right? Yeah. Right. So, but also, if I'm sitting here thinking something, and because radio does not like silence, I will not. I will talk rather than demonstrate. Uh -huh. But I'm thinking it, yeah. so I close my eyes and I'm thinking really, really hard, and my mouth is closed, mm -hmm. and I'm looking dead at you. Right. What are the chances you're going to get up and do the thing that I, I've been thinking about uh -huh. doing when I fin? I need words. Yep. I need words to tell you this is what I think. Mm -hmm. Words will play together because you may tell me no that's an absolutely terrible idea we can't let you do that someone call someone don't let her leave this room mm -hmm. yeah so words mm -hmm. make reality so i like being in conversation with people i think that it's a way that you get to know people mm -hmm. they say if you know a person it's harder to hate them mm -hmm. it's difficult not to fall into an understanding of the you in them Mm. If you talk to them. Yeah. So I found that art is this big hack. I can talk to a thousand people about one thing in one run of, of a thing. I can write a poetry book and then tour the West Coast mm -hmm. and talk about all of those ideas with different people. I think that those discussions have a Johnny Appleseed sort of effect. Have you ever had somebody tell you something that kind of stuck with you because it was catchy? And maybe you knew mm. that it was more than catchy, uh -huh. but you couldn't quite figure it out right then. Mm. And then at some point in the future, you had what they call an aha yes. moment. I, I said it's because somebody stuck a seed in you mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. it finally bloomed. And in all these conversations, you stick seeds in people mm -hmm. that bloom. Yeah, there are good seeds, there are bad seeds. Yeah. Depending upon your point of view, you know, mm -hmm. like the pastor that, you know, will tell you something and, you know, it grows or it doesn't grow or, you know, someone. I mean, advertising is you know, is all about sticking that proverbial sticking seed. Sticking that in there, yes. Subliminal thoughts and all that stuff. Uh, talk about me when you talk about when you were a um, young girl or a teenager. I mean, did you, were you, did you feel the art of storytelling in you even then? My first um, experience was a play in my grandmother's Kajik church. I tell this story a lot, but it's a cute story, so I'll mm -hmm. tell it here. Mm -hmm. um, they did a, a Christmas pageant play, mm -hmm. and I, of course, wanted to be Mary, because everybody wants to be Mary as the lead right. role, right? Yeah. But I couldn't be Mary. I, I got to be the angel, and so wow. I, I settled for being the angel. <laughs> <laughs> and so when they told me to go learn mm -hmm. the script, Mm -hmm. I learned the script. Right. And so when it was Mary's turn and she went, I'm just opening my mouth like a fish. Right, right. <laughs> she opened her mouth like a fish one time too mm -hmm. many. So I said her line. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that threw Joseph off. Because then he looked at me like, you're not supposed to say that. Mary is. And by then it was too late. I'd said Joseph's line. By now, I'm I'm in this group of kids who look like like deers. And there's a bus bearing down on them. And I feel tremendous. I'm saying everybody's line. I'm reciting the play. My grandmother is sitting over at the side. She's clapping her hands. And she's talking about, that's her grandkid. And look how smart she is. She knows all of those words. Other people's parents are sitting next to my grandmother looking like, if somebody doesn't tie that child's mouth, I'm going to have to tie it. That power, Mm -hmm. that, that sense of, Oh my goodness, they let me drive the car and go fast. Mm -hmm. Never left me. Mm. And the idea, you said it earlier. Mm -hmm. What did Robeson tell Belafonte? Right. If you can make them all listen to you, then what do you do with that? What do you do when they're all, once they're all looking and they're all quiet, Mm -hmm. what do you do with that? Yeah. I've always felt that that was the, the proof that saying words have mm-hmm. no power. Mm-hmm. It's just something that somebody who had no verbal skills made yeah. up. Mm-hmm. I understood that tremendous power. It is addictive. It is world making. I say that I create, therefore I am. Mm-hmm. Who wouldn't want to make worlds? Right. I don't know how to stop. Yeah. <laughs> and I get in trouble when I'm not actively engaged in in trying to do this big mm-hmm. moving big pieces of the universe to have a mm-hmm. conversation. Um, you must have been a teenager in the late 60s, is that right? Yeah. What was it like being in the late 60s in California? Because, I mean, think about a tumultuous time, a tumultuous place. I mean, you know, this was like the epicenter of the countercultural movement. I had hippies. Right. It was... It was a really interesting time to be very black, but also be California. Mm-hmm. I have experiences. I remember, you know, walking barefoot right. on Telegraph. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought Berkeley was like a beautiful place, center of the universe. I, it was before I realized how actually how racist right. Berkeley is and how it is sort of a, Berkeley is a play. It's a college town. Yeah. So it has to put on a face yep. to attract these young minds. And it does cute things like it's a nuclear-free zone. Right. What does that mean? <laughs> do, do the nukes understand? If right. they're coming? Oh, don't hit Berkeley. It's nuclear-free. <laughs> yeah. So I think that this is also the saving grace for white people in my eye. I saw human beings. Yeah. I met human beings. Mm-hmm. And so I can't forget having met real human beings some of whom stayed human who did not simply let their piercings close up and cut off their hair and mm. inherit their daddy's money right. and then inherit their daddy's attitude right. I think that it was the one of the most hopeful times for America as a place mm-hmm. I think that it's probably its most prosperous time, right. broadly spread. Yeah, yeah. It was a time where the American dream could have went one way or the other. You know it died, but mm-hmm. we know that now. We didn't know that then. Mm-hmm. So there were those of us who, who really wanted it to mean what it said it meant. 
the braveness of people together believing that certain things were wrong and willing to set their bodies on the line and talk back to their government. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I found it, it, I, when it was shaping, mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons I won't march today because mm-hmm. now marches have been reduced to, let's take a, a march in Oakland. Mm-hmm. And some of my friends, some of my close colleagues are organizers of large and effective marches. And they tell me that marches are necessary because we must have a full-blown set of ways mm-hmm. of having this conversation and being visible, mm-hmm. enforcing yeah. accountability and bringing attention to. So I accept this from them. Mm-hmm. However, I do not march because I refuse to stand up at Franco Ogawa Plaza, Oscar Grant Plaza, hear the rousing speeches, and then be routed around a couple of blocks that don't let you near the police station. Right. And then herd you back (laughs) to Frank Ogawa Plaza. A march with a sanction is not a march. Mm -hmm. It is authority allowing you to relieve pressure. Right. I always want to know where we're marching to and what we're going to do when we get there. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yep. And so I, um, I forgot the question. I'm thinking well, about the futility of no, marching. No, no, no. <laughs> but, but the thing is, activism without disruption is not really activism. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. And so the need to be visible and disruption, I understand. Mm-hmm. I think, I think disruption has to be larger than on the surface. I am willing to take all of those things they say about the benefit of marches again in the idea of planting seeds. Right. Um, in the idea of people discovering things. It's amazing to me that people can still discover inequity. But I guess if you've grown <laughs> right. up in something, it is invisible to you. Yes. You know, I think we have to teach kids about air. They don't automatically understand right. air. Yes. And we are actually in a point in time where we have a dominant society who does not want us to teach children about air. Yeah. You know, it's just there. It's invisible. Why? Why should we stir up stuff? Right. Mm-hmm. Talking about the gravity. The sun is shining, and it's a good day. Yeah. So you talk yeah. about gravity, you're gonna make people feel triggered. You know. Right. <laughs> a, right. Right. Exactly. So the idea mm-hmm. of of making inequity visible is good. I am in a space where I have a problem with the slogan "Black Lives Matter." Mm-hmm. I'm stuck on black power. Right. Black power matters. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. That's right. If you had a sufficient amount of power, you wouldn't find it necessary to tell people your life matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I worry about going backwards, struggling backwards, mm-hmm. hustling backwards, right? as opposed to moving forward. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily consider myself a separatist. However, again, back to the being in the army mm-hmm. or being uh, a corrections you know, officer. Yeah. I think that we get up and we recreate the cage Mm -hmm. that we're held in almost every day. And I don't think that, this is a critique, not a criticism. I understand how we got there. If you're surrounded on all four sides by evil, and the only way you go forward and get to continue to breathe is by understanding evil. Mm-hmm. And if there's currently, if there's constantly an invitation, if you become the thing that hurts you, it won't hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. You'll be a part of the thing right. 
that is it's Borg mentality. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And it's really, really powerful. Mm-hmm. You talked about a symbolization. Yeah. If I join you, will you stop hurting me? Yes. Yeah. If I join you, can I breathe? Can mm-hmm. I go forward? Mm-hmm. You know? There are all sort of examples that show that, no, that is not the way it works. Um, that becomes a selective past that can be canceled at mm-hmm. any time. Yeah. You know, we got a whole set of names we could throw up here. And if I were to say some of these names... People would say, and this is the sin they created, and this is the sin they created, Mm -hmm. and this is the sin that they Mm -hmm. committed. However, I could then show you three people who lack melanin, who have committed the same sins, Uh and are perfectly happy and going forward and prospering. I did have a question. Oh, and being celebrated. Yes. Um, You remember uh, a couple of weeks ago, women's NBA. um, Brittany Griner? No. no. Oh, this, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The eighteen-year-old. Uh, yeah. And I'm, I'm waving my hand LSU, in front of my face. If, you know, you know. I think you may I actually know one. about this, and I don't watch. I'm I not a sports I, I person, but I actually know. Are we talking about the young black girl who then reacted yes. to and the 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 disrespect and how the media that is the best word for it? Yes. Yeah. They, the media they loved this white savage. superstar. They called her uncouth. Yeah. And she was responding to what the white girl had done. Right. And then they felt afterwards that they needed to explain why yeah. they did it yep. and how the black girl didn't understand how the white girl was doing it right. she wasn't doing it the same way the white girl was doing it they literally said yeah. that when they did the same thing yeah. it meant something different yep. and so therefore we could see why she was triggered but she shouldn't have been triggered because right. it's a denial of rage it was amazing mm-hmm. it was amazing and the fact and she never had needed to explain herself at all i mean listen these these are just folks who and what squashed athletes. it was mm-hmm. the white girl saying no i will not be your poster child no yeah. I'm an athlete. She's an athlete. Yeah, telling Joe Biden, the, the first lady, no, I don't need to come to no, the White I'm House. No, I'm not coming to the White House. We don't, lost. You don't have to appease me. Right. Everybody gets a trophy. Isn't that how we start this? <laughs> you get a right. trophy. You get a trophy. Right. Everybody's right. Yeah. Nobody's wrong. But you know what's interesting? I mean, folks who are listening to this are like, hey, I thought we were talking about theater. But this is really is about theater we because are. a lot of it. No, no. that's uh, So I've been mm-hmm. – I remember when I decided to friend you on Facebook – and that was because I don't even remember what the event was. Something had happened in the world, and your response to it was just so clear. And I went, who is this? And then I saw a couple of other things that you post, and I went, oh. I, I think I actually wrote you a message and said, I want to follow you because I like what you're saying. We actually do talk back and forth on Facebook every now and then. Like yeah. I said, I, I, it's, I think that social media is very interesting mm-hmm. in that I feel I know you. Although I actually don't really. Yeah. Know. We've never, <laughs> this is our first conversation. Yeah. Face to face. But I started then paying attention to what you're doing. And you started to say it before with, you know, you're not a separatist. And yet the work that you have done has been such a. There's so much in, that we could say about Bay Area theater needing to hear these voices, needing, you know, like to get the whole uh, arc of August Wilson, the whole centennial mm-hmm. cycle. But here it was happening in West Oakland, and most people aren't even paying attention. And it's like, oh, we need to do this. We need to do this. Well, here it is. It's happening. Why Why aren't y'all mm-hmm. flocking over I here to see it? I very quietly made world history. Yeah. You know? Yes, you did. I did. <laughs> and you continue to. Um, Tasha is another moment where, and I sat, it was a horribly rainy night, 
we had had rehearsal. I just had to hang out for an hour and then I could see the show. So I did. And I think there were five, there were definitely less than a dozen people in the audience that night. And I'm watching this and going, I miss the day when Bay Area Theater had people flooding into little spaces like this and going, I'm, this is why I do theater. This is why I care about theater. I'm getting an experience that I did not know I was going to have. And now I have to walk away and chew on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the real power of theater. I mean, when I think about theater, the black box theater, someone's going to walk in, but they're going to walk out totally different or with an understanding, not even an education of what it is to be Tasha McKenna, no. but what it is to be a black woman. I can be as black as all I want, but I, have n- I will not be a black woman and I will mm-hmm. never know what it is to go through that. Well, and all the voices <clears throat> that are now in my head mm-hmm. telling me no. Wait a minute, no, no, that's not, they didn't need to do, why did they do that? All that conversation, mm-hmm. I'm like, oh my God. All of the play, information that you won't like you get said, it's a seed. from, you know, Channel 7 News or whoever reported on it. It's like, oh yeah, I know about Tosh McKenna, I read it on Wikipedia or whatever. No, this is the real No, this story. is having the personal experience mm-hmm. and that's exactly what Channel 7 News avoids. They don't want, they just want you to take what they're serving. Mm-hmm. They don't want you to think about what it means to you, how it affects you. Fox News. This morning, two stories back to back at a Walgreens in San Francisco, a security guard shot a woman and yes. killed her. Yes. Normally, when the person who is the aggressor is black, you see their face. Yep. This man's black. He got too many names. His name is something like George, Frank, Anthony, <laughs> Paul Johnson. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Also, it was a black woman mm-hmm. that he shot. Mm-hmm. So the conversation around that set of... First of all, he's been charged with murder. Yes. And the set of... The conversation around that is that security guards should not have guns. Mm-hmm. And that murder for for theft is disproportionate. First of all, this kind of thing happens all the time. Right. You know, you... <laughs> Mike Brown, Oscar Grant, I can go on yeah, and on yeah, for yeah, people yeah. who got killed for nothing Mm -hmm. or if you want to say he had loose cigarettes that's what started so he died over loose cigarettes Mm -hmm. right so that's the conversation there and then right after that Mm -hmm. the first thing they tell you is about the vigil for the young man who was a security guard at a home depot and this is out somewhere, out a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. Stockton-ish or something, or in between there. Mm-hmm. And he was shot by a shoplifter. Mm-hmm. They show her face. Black woman. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look 30 years old. Mm-hmm. They show her boyfriend's face. He was in the car with the baby on right. his lap. Mm-hmm. She was stealing some sort of electrical appliance or something. And the man approached her and she killed him. Mm-hmm. Why are those stories ran back to back yep. like that? Yep. With the vigil in the middle. Yeah. So I need to fry this black man who shot this black girl for stealing. Right. And I need to fry this black woman who shot this security guard to stop her from stealing. And what's consistent here is we should fry these black people. Yeah. If they're black and they did it, they're wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
I, it, I, it, it was so obvious the, the, as a theater director, as a storyteller. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm sitting here watching your lineup. I mean, I was through with the news when the news started giving you teasers. Yeah. How can news have teasers? Right. Yeah. It, that, it, how can news have teasers? Yeah. Well, I mean, 24-7 news. I mean, one thing we did not talk about was the firing of Tucker Carlson and also Don Lemon. And I'm like, Which, do I even care anymore? Because I, I stopped watching. They fired news. Don Lemon? Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When? This is recent, right? This yes. is Monday. Within like a day or so. What did, what did Lemon day. get it for? Lemon got it. Well, it was misogyny. Basically, yeah. he, uh, so I think it was two weeks ago, as you probably know. Oh, Nikki wait a Haley. minute. Come on. He, he, is that <laughs> even possible? Wait, I don't know. I don't. Haley, so Nikki Haley is running for president. Uh, she's trying to, you know. Oh, the Republican oh okay, okay, okay. And so uh, Lemon said basically she was past says, her prime. Because she's 51 oh. years old, and my God, that's old, right? <laughs> and when somebody Wait a minute, how old is Lemon? <laughs> older? Ooh, <thank> you. <laughs> He's got a better and he beauty said that, regime. And he said that between two women, lemon was right. between the two women. The women tried to push back on it. Hey, you can't say that she's old. You can't. That's just wrong, Don. How old is Biden? How right. old is Trump? Yeah. Exactly. And then I said, how old is lemon? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Tucker Carlson, he doesn't really do news. Where did he get right. fired from? <laughs> he got just, fired, ironically, for telling the truth. Only it was via text messaging. You right. Know, basically saying, oh, you know, Trump's, uh, you know, uh, the whole 2020 thing is a bunch of sham. Of course, he lost the election. And that and got part of the lawsuit. We need people to, if they're going to bring stuff up, they need to be able to verify what they're saying. Yeah. But then he gets on the air that night and just says the lies that he knows. He's just proven right. that he knows. And Fox our lies. lost, I think it was $750 million they had to yeah. pay to Dominion the, Systems. <clears throat> right. Dominion so rather systems. than Rupert Murdoch falling on his own sword. Yep. Exactly. Oh, there was he another threw back. his little well, slimy no, minion. There, more, there was uh, another backstory. Lined Rupert, up. Rupert Murdoch. Uh, he was supposed to get married to this young chick, you know, old mm. man marrying a young chick. Mm. But he broke off the relationship because she had a crush on Tucker Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> but Don, the, the Don Lemon firing is interesting because misogyny, but also just we when we began this conversation about news and narratives. You know, like mm-hmm. a black kid gets killed. It's gonna you're gonna hear it differently from CNN than yeah. you're gonna hear it from Fox News or yeah. in MSNBC. And the BBC. How yeah. do we, you know? How do you calibrate it? Yeah. During the Trump election, I used to say as a poet, I get my I get my topics from the nightly news because mm-hmm. that's what's moving in the world today. Right. Mm-hmm. I had a period of time when I listened to CNN almost all day long. Yes, I watch tele- a lot of television. Mm-hmm. I'm an information junkie. There's always something playing in the background, whether or not I'm actually really listening to mm-hmm. it. Um, and I was getting a particular view of the world. Um, oddly, it was a Julian Marley lyric. If you spend oh. all day listening to CNN, then you in too deep. So <laughs> I, I, so I, I wanted leavening, and they were talking about Fox, how bad the Fox Nation was. So I turned to local Fox and I would find a difference but it wasn't so substantial then I found Fox Fox yeah yeah Tucker Carlson and the like Mm -hmm. and it was like day and night but what Tucker Carlson did for me he sharpened my view on CNN 
You're the same people. You just turn yeah. in a different direction. Yeah. Everything Republican is evil. Everything Democratic is evil. Right. We use the words conservative and liberal as if those words don't actually have a real meaning. Yep. We redefine words like radical, making them something evil and yep. sinister. And what it helped me understand is what I always knew. It ain't but one party. Mm -hmm. It's a one-party country. Yeah. And those extremes invalidate one another. The fourth estate is all but dead yeah. in America. If you want to know what's happening in America, triangulate your news from outside yep. of America. Yep. Al Jazeera, BBC. Yep. Throw in, look at yourself from the outside. Mm -hmm. It's just like, who's going to tell you the truth inside of America? If you are in the 1%, and it all works for you, mm -hmm. then that is your truth, that you are evidence of the American dream, that it does work. Mm -hmm. You can manifest manner simply by thinking and being good and working hard. Right. But now if you're sitting on the margin and your history holds Black Wall Street mm -hmm. and Roseville <clears throat> and Reconstruction, it actually happened and they took it back. Yeah, right. Redlining. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go through gentrification. Mm -hmm. And you realize it's not just your neighborhood. It's the whole country. Yep. And if you could stand up tall enough, you go into France. Look at <laughs> Saint-Denis, what, what they're doing over there in terms of moving out the marginalized. Mm. And built Saint-Denis is where the Olympics are going to be. Oh. They say they're going to be in France because it sounds better that they're right. going to be in France. Mm -hmm. You can't build the Olympic Village in France. Right. France, I got no time for that. Right, right. It's, it's already France. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but you can build it in Saint-Denis, yeah. which had a huge homeless problem. And, uh, and where unhoused people are, mm -hmm. there's the lie of there not being enough housing. So to solve this, they're going to build an Olympic village right. that no one can live in after mm -hmm. the Olympics. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... I get lost sometimes. I go down rabbit holes. No, no, no. Because now I'm here, and I don't know how I got all the way sent. <laughs> no, 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 no. Because we were talking about just the narrative and how people take in information and how the narrative, you know, like if someone says, hey, what do you know about what's happening in the world? Well, I heard from CNN or MSNBC, mm -hmm. or this is what the truth is. Mm -hmm. Right. Because someone told me that's the truth. Like you just mentioned, you know, like uh, reparations and... And, um, you know, for a brief 10-year period, we had... Um, oh, yeah. yeah reconstruction. reconstruction. That's, what, that's yes. what I meant. Ask any, uh, you know, black person, especially a post-millennial, you know, well, what happened? Ask and, any American. <laughs> and a lot of times they just won't know. No. And I can, you know, I, I remember reading, of course, I had to. it was after leaving school that I heard that, you yeah. know, that Rutherford Hayes in 1877, oh. you know, uh, in... Quid pro quo for holding on to his election says, okay, listen, we're going to pull all union troops out. You guys can write whatever laws you want. That was the birth of Jim Crow. Yeah. But I had to learn that. No teacher taught me that. Took back yeah. the swamp land. Mm -hmm. There were never any mules involved. Right. We are still old mules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just... yeah. Exactly. I want to jump back into the, because it, you know, the very, very last, um, the last show that we did for Tasha. Um, there was a bit of disruption, and I'm not going to get into the details of the disruption. Oh, mm -hmm. <laughs> but I said to myself, well, gee, this is interesting 
maybe for a brief moment I said it's sad, but I was like, you know, maybe it's not so sad because maybe we need to have, I remember doing a Bertrand Brecht piece then, we were talking about Bertrand Brecht then, you know, when Brecht did his plays, there were disruptions, there were people right. in the audience yelling and screaming, saying, yes. what do we need to do about this situation, Yeah, you know? in Weimar Republic Germany, which is becoming Nazi Germany, or what do we do with the situation with black people getting killed? Maybe there needs to be yelling and screaming and disruption. Maybe that's what theater is all about. Instead of walking to a, um, a theater and it being Disneyified, it's like, oh, it was just wonderful. It was great. <laughs> so maybe it wasn't that bad at all. Mm-hmm. I call it activist theater. I mean, that's just what I called it. And, you know, Kat was very intrigued by that. Um, is that what you would call it, activist theater? I mean, the type of theater where... You present a truth to get a reaction, to get people to stand up, not just to applaud and say, oh, that was wonderful, but to actually get them on the streets to do something. I think every piece of theater should do that. Hmm. I think calling it activist theater is a way of understanding mm-hmm. a particular piece, not necessarily a genre. I am actually anti-genre. Mm-hmm. Um so I think that it's utilitarian to to call it as such. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think it's the job of every piece of theater to have the potential to make you leave the theater different than you came in. Mm-hmm. To have you understand something about yourself or the world in which you live or in people you have othered mm-hmm. in a different way. I think that you talked about advertising um, and its insidious power. Mm -hmm. I think that theater has the same insidious power. Yes. I think that we sit together in the dark and we are allowed to cry. Mm -hmm. We are allowed to process anger in a very passive and different way. We are allowed to have emotions in general. Emotions aren't welcome in modern life. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, you need right. to be you need to be able to watch that boy get beat to death on the screen, then get up and go buy a latte that's way too expensive yeah. mm-hmm. to go into an office where your boss is over in a corner possibly joking, talking about, you know, punting and kicking things in football games maybe or maybe he's talking about what just you saw on tv and you know don't even wonder don't even take the time to wonder because if you decide that it is the latter and it is the horror what are you going to do Mm mm-hmm you gonna walk out and quit your job? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you gonna that was sit the point down that, and that, that go the, through the day. That was the point that you made that night when you were making that speech, which sort of you know started that. You were basically saying what we call normal. You know, you watch on TV someone who is your color getting killed, and you have to walk into work the next day, uh, and the boss says, "Hey, how are you doing?" You're supposed to say, "Fine." I think that what that woman did, mm-hmm. I think it was violent. Oh, yeah. So oh, you, you came did into yes. a place. Where a group of people had gathered to talk about a certain subject in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And you took away their right to do it. Mm-hmm. You told them they weren't talking about it the right way. Right. You told them that their reaction to racism was somehow cowardly and that they were wrong. Mm-hmm. And she actually said, we weren't as black as some people she knew. 
Mm-hmm. I don't even know what to do with that. Yeah. There's a yeah. black meter somewhere, and it's yeah. owned by a white woman. Uh-huh. She has it, and she uses it, and right. she used that meter that night, mm-hmm. and we came up wanting. How extremely arrogant, mm-hmm. insane is that? Yeah. yeah. To come and do that, and she, I understand that when she left the theater, I actually stayed in a theater for another 30 minutes or so before mm-hmm. I left. Mm-hmm. When I went outside, she had just stopped holding court. Oh. She was surrounded by a group of white people oh, didn't know that. who were telling her she was wrong and she should go on. And she was actually inviting the violence that she anticipated. Mm-hmm. There were black people who had come to the show who were like on the sidewalk and were sort of watching. Right. She was in the middle of the street. Yep. And the white people who were surrounding her weren't protecting her. Mm-hmm. They were perhaps attempting to stand between her and the black people who were on the sidewalk mm. and clearly saying that, no, you were wrong, go away. <laughs> right. you, you make us look bad. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, if they're going to beat me, let them beat me. I don't know what that was about. Mm. I don't know if that was a lack of medication. Mm. I don't know if that was over-medication mm-hmm. or if that was just deep, stirred hate and unresolved feeling about the fact that she apparently is a part of a multiracial family. And it made me feel very sorry for the children of color that she was perhaps related to. And how I wondered how they were carrying having her as a grandmother Mm -hmm. through the world. Clearly, I think the piece released something in... Her, but there are a bunch of other folks who are talking as well. Um, would you say that's the purpose of theater? I think theater is often a wounding. We mentioned hmm. Wilson earlier. Uh-huh. I have a particular way of doing Wilson. I don't necessarily appreciate comedy. Comedy is a very sophisticated way of looking at the world. Mm-hmm. The fact that laughter is good for you is is interesting in that comedy is basically predicated on cruelty. Mm. There has to there has to be a victim. Someone has to be comedy. a part of the joke. Yes. Mm. And so it's a very sophisticated and clever form. Uh-huh. I like what they call black humor the best. Uh-huh. Because they use it, then George Carlin is, is, is I think, one of the masters of that mm-hmm. kind of, of humor. Right. You know? George Carlin, who's clearly an atheist, who, who talks about God and, and his power and how he can see everything. It's definitely a he. And, and, <laughs> and he's all knowing and he needs money. Please, please send him money. The, the beauty in the economy yeah. of that yeah. observation. Yeah. So people do Wilson. And Wilson, I think, gets a bad rap for having made it to Broadway because people could direct Wilson as humor. Hmm. Wilson is not comedy. Mm-hmm. Like life, it's tragicomic. Right. There are funny things within yeah. tragedy. It's like it's funny to think about all these preachers taking all that money all over the world because they are godly because God. 
needs money. Right. So there is humor in mm-hmm. Wilson, mm-hmm. but to play it as humor dismisses it. Yeah. You have to get the other part to even earn the humor. Yeah. There's a wounding there. The way I do, Wilson. White people sit in the house and they want to know if they can laugh at the funny parts. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're sitting there like, this is funny, but I understand why this is funny. And funny is inherently, can I laugh at this? This yeah. is, I, it's a wounding. Yeah. Yeah. You think about when you got a splendor when you were little. Sometimes they just pass right through you and you'd be fine. Right. Every now and then, something would start to swell up. It would be sore. Yeah. You couldn't get rid of it. Mm-hmm. It would get pussy. Yeah. Yep. And the thing, the small thing would actually threaten you. That's how trauma is. Yeah. That thing that just doesn't, you don't just live around it or, or get over it. Mm-hmm. Somehow it, you've ingested it mm-hmm. and it's making you sick. Yeah. yeah. The way you think or the way you move through the world mm-hmm. or what you feel you're entitled to or, or not entitled to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a wounding that I'm talking about. It's like when your mother sat you down and rubbed alcohol over it. You bought a ticket. You came in and you sat down. (laughs) We made an agreement. This is going to hurt, but only for a moment. I'm going to entertain you. This isn't real. It's theater. Right. And you close your eyes and you're in the dark waiting. Mm -hmm. And we go in the theater and it gets dark and we wait. Then your mother sticks the needle in Mm -hmm. and begins to push sticking of the needle in and the beginning of the pushing mm-hmm. is painful. Yeah. And then it's not so much. And then you're kind of like, did you get it all out? Mm-hmm. And then there's this splinter. Right. And then it heals up and yeah. you're okay. Yeah. So I look at theater as a chance for intentional woundings. I want to stick you in that place that's tender and sore. Mm-hmm. And I want to help you examine mm-hmm what's inside there and let's see if we can't get that to come out mm-hmm. all of my work comes with post-show talks because something opens up in mm-hmm. the dark after that moment of catharsis there is a possibility mm-hmm. i have no doubt that some people the minute they begin to feel it snap shut mm-hmm. and there are other people who you'll catch them when the lights come on and as soon as the air outside hits them they're like reset but what I say about them seeds, right? You can't you can't get away from yeah, the yeah, seeds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people. The lights come on, and their faces are wet. They cannot move right away. Yeah, they appreciate the courtesy of being able to sit and talk mm-hmm. about the thing that they just felt, the thing that moved mm-hmm. in them, yeah. that they didn't know was in them. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the power. Like I said, I picked. I think that. Storytelling is my purpose. Mm-hmm. And when people belie the power of the word or the power of story, I think that they are mis- mis- they're misthinking. Mm-hmm. I think that I play with big jar magic. Yeah. You know? That it's, it's, these are, are the building blocks of human nature and humanity. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> No, no, hey, that's really, really powerful intentional wounding. I wrote that down. And I, when you were mentioning comedy, as far as black comedy and comedy of That Hurts, I saw on YouTube, someone did a uh, thing on, they were talking about Richard Pryor. And he, Richard Pryor did his thing where, you know, he was talking about 
uh, taking crack cocaine and burning himself. Mm-hmm. And right. people are laughing and, you know, white folks are like, well, you know, this is his pain, but, you know, can I laugh? Is it okay? And so it made me think about that. But just, um, yeah, the whole, in, I mean, I think that's what theater, now some people may, may say, well, no, I mean, I want to be entertained. I want to, you know, just have, why should I have to go through trauma in a theater? Aren't you guys supposed to entertain me? I mean, some mm-hmm. folks have that concept. You right. can be entertained at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, it, this, uh, there's a saying in the hood this this thing come with levels baby mm-hmm. now if all you want is the laughs you can take them or charge you the same anyway mm-hmm. Yeah. but if you want a life changing experience then that thing is there too mm-hmm. and the people who just want to laugh I don't think I'm really talking to them there are millions of people on the planet you know people who just want to laugh Yeah. it's an interesting thing you just want to laugh huh just people dying around you, literally. You're stepping over people who are unhoused. Yeah. There will be children who go to bed in your city, whatever city it is, right. tonight. Yep. And they'll be hungry. Yep. And you just want to laugh? I, I can't really help you. <laughs> I, <didn't. laughs> I totally hear you. Where are uh, the lower bottom players now? Because I know Flight Deck is... I don't, uh, even, I don't know what Flight Deck is now. <laughs> Well, Flight Deck turned into Piano Fight, yeah. and I was actually thinking this morning about what I should name it when I formally take over the lease. Congratulations. That'd so, be you gave me an in. <laughs> Am I saying this here? <laughs> Just, is it official? Um, the lease is not inked yet, but we are in the final awesome. final stages well, of it. And you already know the space, so yeah. that's, a, that's a no-brainer. And I'm going to... It's not going to be a theater in the way that it's been a theater. Mm-hmm. I run a community development corporation, Black Arts Movement Business District Community Development Corporation. Mm-hmm. Oakland has a cultural district, only one officially declared, the Black Arts Movement District. Right. It also has not accorded a single square foot yeah. in the city yeah. for culture to be made. Or for this to be enacted, they seem to have pitched a tent on 14th Street and uh-huh. the businesses that are there. And they talk about the 14th Street corridor as if that were the cultural district. Right. The district exists between 10th and 18th Street mm-hmm. and the 880 and Lake Merritt. That's a lot of geography. Mm-hmm. There, yeah, there, is. there is there is much more to it than 14th Street. Mm-hmm. So that space, 1540 Broadway, yeah. is the only 100-seat black box in Oakland. Yeah. If BAM CDC does not take it over, mm-hmm. then there's a possibility that space no longer has a performance space yeah. inside of it. Yeah. Mm. So this is a chance for me to show the city how to maintain cultural space. So we're going to do an experiment. We're going to prototype it for three years. And we are going to rebrand it as a cultural center. The lower bottom players, for the first time in their 25-year existence, will have a stable place to be. That's awesome. A theater company on Broadway. You can't write it better than that, can you? Broadway and Oakland. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then how do we put in programming that sort of revolves around the conversation we've had this morning. I told you I like discourse, places mm-hmm. where people can meet. You guys familiar with Highlander Center? 
in no, Appalachia. No. Uh-uh. Highlander Center is in Appalachia. It is uh, a place that um, Nikki Giovanni likes to hang mm. out. Uh. There have been any number of scholars that have gone to that space. It's mm. a think tank. Yeah. Why couldn't we have something like that here on the West Coast? Mm-hmm. You guys familiar with the Chitlin Circuit? Yeah, yes. yeah. 27 cities with a concentration of black people and black culture. Really well defined during the black arts movement. Probably a little mushier now yeah. since they move in us around the chessboard. Mm-hmm. But still, what we know about culture is really black culture is the culture of this country. Right. And wherever you practice it well, people will come to the culture. They may not all be black, but people will come to the culture. Mm -hmm. We also know that we're in a place where if you don't have that amount of crossover, then culturally you're probably not successful. You know, they tell you that black people can't make a hit record. It's all those white people that buy it, (laughs) that then make it a Mm -hmm. hit record. Right. So... To reinvigorate the chilling circuit, to, to go and find these pockets of black culture. What if you intentionally toured work around that circuit? Yeah. The same way that when James Brown came through California, he knew he needed to stop at Esther's orbit room. Yeah. He needed to stop at Slim Jenkins. Maybe they were going to hit uh, you know, there these places that you had to hit. Mm-hmm. I'd like to make us one of those places Mm -hmm. that if an artist is coming through California this is a place they want to be we would still be performance oriented Mm -hmm. you could have concerts we've got a hundred seat theater Um, like I said the players would would have their own space and then what else could we do in terms of having a cultural center we have uh, Eastside Arts Alliance out in East Oakland Mm -hmm. I think that with a cultural district as large as the black cultural district is, I think that is our right to have a center that is in downtown. Mm -hmm. And then there's that line of bifurcation, Martin Luther King, that contained this as redlined. Mm -hmm. That was the, the street that if you crossed over it, in when while Oakland was a sundown town, mm-hmm. that you got in trouble if you right. didn't have the right mm-hmm. papers or the phone number of a certain white person that you were going to that could be called, right. and you were out of the bottoms and you were across Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. then you were up to be arrested or at the very minimum harassed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there ought to be something down in the flatlands too. Yeah. Both are equally difficult because the flatlands and lower bottoms was actually ground zero for gentrification yeah. here. They built me a theater down there mm-hmm. and then decided that theater wasn't wasn't that essential anymore. So after 13 years, mm-hmm. we ended up not being in the bottoms where we started. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you learn how to fall forward. Being yep. black is a talent. You have to sharpen it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so we fell to Broadway. <laughs> right, right, right. And we stayed there. And how we stay there is we take the lease. And I'll say it here first. Mm-hmm. We're going to take the lease in this three-year prototype as we figure out how to buy that building. Yeah. Mm. That's really so, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that no, that we fancy that. And you just asked my next question: What are you going to do in the future? <laughs> that is the future, <laughs> and it's the future for a lot of folks because we've had other uh-huh. guests like Kayende Koyejo, um, who 
you know, she talked about, you know, the 14th Street being a part of the Black Cultural Center. Mm-hmm. But you're absolutely right. It should be expanded. I'm also thinking Javier Reyes and uh, Colored Ink. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of folks can use that space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could be the cultural center. And I know both of those people. Hey, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Small world. It's a tapestry of theater. All right. Well, it is, um, we've ran past the hour mark. (laughs) Birthdays? I knew we were going to do that. That was going to happen. Birthdays. You want me to go first? I got it. Okay. Uh, Bunch of them. Uh, So today, is that? No, there's not. Top of my list. Wow. Got uh, three big ones today. Uh, so, Amy Lynn Abella, Abellera, I'm horrible with Spanish names. Um, she's an um, actress I got to work with uh, when we did Buffalo down in San Jose, San oh, Jose State. Yeah. Jeannie's play, yeah. Uh, Jeannie Baroga's play. Um, anyway, amazing actress. Uh, her, day, her birthday is today. I don't know what his title is. Is he actually the Reverend Marvin K. White? <laughs> Yes, I think he's a reverend. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he may be. He runs Glide. Does he run Glide now? He, I thought he was, yeah. He's, okay. he's definitely a pastor there, right? Someone replaced Cecil. I know Cecil retired. I think it's Marvin, if he isn't, he's definitely one of the prominent folks there, which to me is amazing because I first got to know him in the second iteration of Afro Promo Homos. <laughs> He's an amazing poet. He's he amazing. is. That's how I know him, actually. Holy cow. As a poet, yes. Oh, my gosh. Um, and then uh, Julian, um, I feel like I'm missing a name here. Julian Lopez Marias, his birthday is tomorrow. He is one of the major veterans of Bay Area Theater. Uh, there's hardly any Shakespeare of the Shakespeare. Scholar. Cal Shakes, um, you know, was Berkeley Shakes. Uh, he has been to Ashland. He has been all over he is one of those actors who's actually done the whole canon um, and many shows numerous times. And we've gotten to work together a couple of times. His birthday is coming yeah. up tomorrow. Uh, Stacy Ross, uh, same kind of category. On the other side of it, she is has been one of the most powerful actresses in the Bay Area theater scene. Um, I think it's probably the easiest way to say it. I'm going to skip this one and see if you have it on your list, mm-hmm. but I'll come back to it if I need to. Uh, Elizabeth Carter who is a dear friend of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, her birthday's coming up Tuesday, I think. I think she's directing something. She's directing lots of things. She's directing Steel Magnolias right now, mm-hmm. down at Theater Works. I think she's getting ready to do something with Shotgun Players. She keeps bouncing out of town. She's actually, I don't know if it's official, but I think they're trying to have her come back up to Ashland and direct something this season. Okay. It's amazing for somebody who, we started Oakland Public Theater together. <laughs> And it's amazing to watch as she just keeps going. Um, this one, I'm pretty sure you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so on uh, high school, uh, Tanya Wadinsky was, um, it's funny, I watched her graduate before I graduated and then watched her little sister come up and take over the our tech department. She has just retired, the sister has just retired from running tech at UCLA. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, man, we're old. <laughs> Uh, Belina Brown's birthday is coming up this week. Um, major performer in the Bay Area, works a lot with the San Francisco Mime Troupe, and directed me last summer when I got to do the Mime Troupe show. That was a lot of fun. Uh, Tina Marie Murray, I think that's correct. Mm-hmm. 
um, is somebody who I know only through Facebook. We have barely ever been in the same room together, but we've known each other for many, many years. She's an actress? Yes. Okay, cool. Uh, Christina Casey was an actress who worked with Oakland Public Theater when we first started, and it's wild to think how long ago that was. I'm like, I always think of her as a little girl. She's not a little girl. She's a mom. She's a grown woman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Just Tom- Thomas is somebody I met through um, a group that was called, is still called Shots, SF. Um, they did a bunch of sort of, it wasn't really comedy, sketch comedy kind of creating stuff and um they managed to they started off as shots new york came to here did shots sf and now the folks who started it are down in la and i think there is shots la now it's um so jess has been one of their creators writers directors and occasional actors steve budd every time we talk he's a bay area actor I don't know that I've actually ever seen him in a show. Every time I say, I think I've seen you in something, he's like, no, I wasn't in that show. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you must have done something somewhere because he's somebody I always remember. Uh, David Glover. Have we had David on? Nope. We have not. I'm sure he would love to come on. David Glover has found a new career in talking about being an old man. Okay. <laughs> um, and he does a wonderful, he does a different, he does some singing, he does some performance pieces. Um, and then I added in a couple because I know I'm going to be gone for the next month. So. Sure, sure. Uh, Terrence Tyree Ivory is a young man. T. Tyree, I think, is at least what we used to call him. Mm-hmm. Um, met him through the African American Shakespeare Company. He went away to graduate school, came back, started his own company up in the North Bay, Ivory Productions. And um, he's somebody I'm always thinking of whenever somebody's like, well, what about a black director? And I'm like, is anybody talking to him? Because the man is brilliant. Uh, Don Troop, who is an amazingly wonderful talent. I first met in Concord. We were doing a musical together. Um, it's really exciting to know that she's now in New York and actually working. You know, it's always moving on up. There's so many of us who come to the Bay Area and can't stay for whatever reason. And you see people go to L.A. and you see people go to New York and you see about a half of them, third of them who come back feeling a little bit hurt. It's always exciting to see somebody who actually finds a way to put a root down and be excited in that next phase of their life. Um, And then the last couple, Allison Rich is a performer, but she's also sort of an associate artist with San Jose Stage Company. Um, and it was great. We had an accident. I did um, Meet John Doe, Frank Capra's Meet John Doe we did as a stage piece. And we lost one of our performers. And Allison, with just a couple of days, was able to step into this role. And we had an age-appropriate woman um, playing an older woman in the show. Allison is not an older woman and this was a little short woman, and Allison is incredibly tall, but when she walked across that stage, she just looked like a little old lady. It was amazing. I'm like, you are incredible. So I would love to see her in a show where she's actually gotten the benefit of a full production process. Last one, uh, Bay Area playwright Ben Fisher. I'm tired of getting old. I'm tired of kids that I taught. Coming back as grown folks and starting to make their name in the world. And Ben Fisher is a playwright who's actually getting produced around the country now. And I'm like, damn, I hate you. <laughs> but I'm so proud of you. <laughs> anyway, those are my Bay Area. Yep. I only have three. Birthdays. 
Uh, Christopher Cobb, uh, he and I, we um, were on stage doing Bat Boy the Musical. And so uh, his birthday is was April the 30th. No, that'll be tomorrow. Will be April the 30th. Um, Akolede. I was hoping you had him. George Coker. I'm so glad that he's taken on his uh, his given name is George Coker. He's taken on this this name. So I've, I've never known him as as Akolede. I didn't either, but I think doesn't he have African roots? I thought I'm sure he does. I'm he sure he does. But now he now what... he's you know he he's putting that name out. So that's good. Yeah. And uh, his birthday is May the first. I acted with him. Stories high a Bindlestick piece <laughs> that he and I were in and back in 2011. So I'm glad he's uh, out there. And the last one I have is of course Deb Carriger. Yeah, of course you have too. <laughs> and uh, she is the artistic director. It's not 42nd Street Moon. It's um, I want to say Harbor. How um, I thought it was. Oh, is it Half Moon? Half Moon Bay. Half Moon Bay. Okay. Yes. Yeah. And so she's doing uh, great stuff there. That's what I have there. Uh, shows. I've got a bunch of shows. I'm sure you haven't really been. I ain't got nothing. I'm going out of town. My show closes tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I totally hear you. And that show is, of course, if you want to see it uh, today. I think we'll have the show up so that people can still see it tonight. Sure. Home Z Space last show tonight. You, Brian Rivera, will be in the show. Um, and we've got a link for and, the show. And what I should say is, it says it's sold out. But if you really want to get in, the waiting list is usually short. I look out every night and there are empty seats. One reason or another, people can't make it to the city or can't make it on time. Mm-hmm. There are seats if you really want to see it. Yep, Z below. So check it out. Tonight's the last night, then you're off to uh, Paris. Yeah. Um, they can come to Paris. They can come see it in Paris. <laughs> I'm going to wait to Paris. Sure. <laughs> Fred Pitts has his own one-man show, Aren't You, uh, at the March. Marsh, and that'll be playing um, up until May the 5th, so check that out. Um, the Nigger Lovers. Have you heard about this? At I Magic have. Everybody's Theater. so afraid to say the name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, why not the Nigger Lovers? So Tanika Baptiste is in the show. I think she's starring. She is in it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that'll be May the third through the twenty first at the Magic Theater. And we have a link for that. San Jose stage is doing Grand Horizons. Oh, and Rutimi is in it as well. Okay, I don't know that person. We should try and get him on. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grand Horizons uh, that's playing at San Jose stage April the fifth through May April the thirtieth. Man- Nick Mandrakia and Julian Julian Lopez, Lopez Marias. Marias. There you go. In it. Yeah. Uh, so check that out. We and they're through when? What's the date? April the 5th through the 30th. So tomorrow. His birthday is their closing. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Best of Playground. Uh, that'll be May the 13th and the 14th. Uh, Bridget Dunn Apartment has a play, Gallows Humor, along with another, other great stuff. Mm-hmm. So check out uh, the Best of Playground. Only two days Yeah, because I think the festival, the Playground Festival, I think actually starts this Monday. Yeah. And so that'll be a part of the festival. There's yeah. a bunch of things going on. Yeah. Um, to Master the Art, Contra Costa Civic Theater uh, has that play going on April the 21st through May the 21st. And Yubi Kabori is in that show. Oh. So she's not only a playwright, she's also an actress. She's an amazing actress. actor. So check that out. Chinglish, San Francisco Playhouse is playing May the 4th through June the 10th. Uh, starring Sharon Shaw and Michael Barrett Austin, directed by Jeffrey Lowe. Wow. Yeah, so check that out. Um, Becoming Robin Hood at the Berkeley Playhouse, check that out. May the 26th through June the 25th, Paul Plain, who was on our show, mm-hmm. episode 125, he is in the play. Crumbs from the Table of Joy. Uh, Tanika <sighs> Baptiste is directing is that. Uh, that'll open June the 3rd through the 24th. I just right, want right, to get right. a heads, heads up. 
No, I, I definitely want to see that one. I it was the first. I do a teaching job, middle school, and they go to see Ashland season. So when that West, I don't know if it was world premiere or West Coast premiere, but when it was at Ashland, I got that script and I got to work with it, and I'm like, oh, I can't wait to see it fully mm-hmm. realized. Yeah, they were looking for a stage manager. They reached out to me, and I was mm-hmm. a little. I was like, hey, I've got other things going on, but yeah. here's going to be fantastic. I'm so glad the town hall is doing, you know, a piece like this. It's surprising to me that they are, uh, but they've mm-hmm. been moving in that direction. There's a number of people who are in the mix in that conversation mm-hmm. now, so we're getting some people of color pushing good. Lafayette in a new direction. Very good, yeah. <laughs> uh, a Midsummer Night's Dream, San Francisco Shakes is doing that, and that'll be uh, March the 1st through May the 6th, so that's still going on. Alan Coyne and everything is in that mm-hmm. along with Evan Held he's in that uh, uh, King Lear uh, that will be that's not that won't be until July the 28th but I want to sort of push that it's an all woman cast Silicon Valley Shakes oh. Cynthia Logazinski is directing that show okay. and uh, there are three podcasts I want to push Barry Graves has the Black Man's Heart so check that out mm. Mallory Samara her day job is KCBS Radio so she has asked subscribed and also the, the generation it? one what it's generational it? yeah so uh, check that out Central Works has the uh, Central Works Script Club so check that out as well and also Bindle Stiffs has the Fobcast so check that out uh, two quick things before we uh, head on out here Bridget Dutta Portman has a book out The Word of the Muse it's the third and final book in her Cosima Saga tra- uh, trilogy Jeez. and I wanted to push Bridget Dutta Portman because she's been on mm-hmm. the A several times yeah, yeah. so she's been promoting our show and I'm and sorry also, you said it's Cosima? yeah she is um, you know this. It, it's always interesting watching people who get involved in theater and then they do other things other artistic yeah, yeah, things yeah. as a matter of fact you have your book out we want to push your book Yes. Tell us. <laughs> uh, Sorrowland Oracle and Incandescent and The Horse Eaters are all books all right. of mine that are in print that Yay. you can go yeah. out and get. Uh, via Amazon? Can we be on via the Amazon? They're all available on Amazon. All right. All right. If you have a link, then we'll uh, we'll push that as well. So Bridget Portman is doing the exact same thing. So mm. Cosima Tra- Trilogy, I think it's uh, a children's book. Uh-huh. You know, she became a mother. So I just don't know what Cosima is. I think it's a character. Oh, it's a character yeah. in a book. Also, Taranj Yagazarian, uh, you brought her on. She's been selected oh. as one of six playwrights to be featured in the New Conservatory Theater's 2023-2024 season. Yay! So she's doing great things. Madeline Puccioni, uh, she is a semifinalist for the Script Writers, Script Writers and Company International Festival. Uh, they are featuring her full-length play, The Cassandra Murders. So... Mm-hmm. When we have people on the yay, they do other things. I want to sort of push them. All right. Yay. That, that is that. We still have yay jerseys. If you want to buy a yay jersey, black and white, $30, just hit me up, PM me. Uh, that is it. Thank you <laughs> so, so much. Uh, Daily, did you enjoy fun. yourself? Yes, I adored this. You're going to have to have me back. I would love to have Happily. you back. When, um, we have, when we have Kat on, we'll be a guest host. You can sit in Norman's seat and, you know. All right. <laughs> oh, is that all what right. you're going to do next month? Get yeah, some guest we, hosts? Well, we got to get Kat on. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People seem to love it. So so that'll be nice. All now, I enjoy the conversation. Of course, yay. I want to go on and on and on, but of course, you know. I get to say yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I do over here. I just yay! Right on. And, uh, of course, everyone can, uh, you're listening to this already, but we're on uh, Spotify, Overcast, SoundCloud, uh, that purple iPhone app 
uh, Purple's uh, podcast app that you have on your iPhone or iPad. Uh, the Yay was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise or if you just want to advertise yourself, let us know. Hit us up. Our Twitter feed is the Yay3. I'm at Red Space Clay. And I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. Ayodele, uh, can people find you? Uh, I am Wordslanger everywhere. Wordslanger <laughs> on IG. Wordslanger on Twitter. Mm. Right on. G-E-E-S-L-A-N-G-E-E-R or A? G-E-R. G-E-R. Okay, yes. and we'll have the link for that as well. All righty, it is a wonderful Saturday afternoon. Uh, I'm going to release out everybody, and uh, hopefully you'll get to eat or drink something before you leave. <laughs> <laughs> and as Norman and I always say, we, we got to find a better, better sign-off. Sign and we're going to miss you, Norman. Yeah, we, I guess we won't see you back until, what, July I, I, or something? I'll see if I can. Oh, God. Yeah, it really is. I, we'll see what happens with June. Um, mm-hmm. I get back and I immediately go to the Eugene O'Neill National Foundation as a spot in Danville and I'll be running a workshop for two weeks. So okay. I know I'll be there at 830 in the morning, <laughs> five days a week for two weeks. So mm-hmm. it'll be the end of June at the earliest. Before yeah. I can so as back in here, as Norman and I always say, we, we got to find, find a, a better, better sign off and we are out. Yeah.